here it's time for me to get my little espresso cup have some coffee the coffee's ready and it's time for another episode of the octopus wars so sit back relax have a cup of espresso or a glass of malbec and enjoy another tale from the world of the octopus wars Another tale from the world of the Octopus Wars. Our letter today comes from Laura Hutchins from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And Laura writes, I have been enjoying the podcast very much, but I can't wait to hear my favorite story about redemption. And that is the story of the Black Eagle. Laura, thank you very much for your letter. And yes, today we will be covering the official account of the Black Eagle in its entirety. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the tale of the Black Eagle. They called him the Black Eagle only because he was the most feared drinker in a town where drinking was considered to be just a way of warming up the skin. In a winemaking province like Mendoza, it was natural for there to be a formidable army of serious drinkers. They were either the spoiled sons of vineyard owners or your run-off-the-mill weak-hearted grocer. But the Black Eagle was a different breed. His rage came not from the sun-warmed grapes of our Andes, but from the dark alleys of Buenos Aires the big city. A creature of Saturday nights, he'd pick and finish fights as he went from bar to cabaret, from cabaret to bar. Always ending the nocturnal cycle by striking down some poor sailor. At the end of it all, he'd look up at the moon and say, now I have also done this. No doubt that when he drank, he felt more powerful than the universe itself. You could see it in his bloodshot eyes. Maybe he was this way because a woman once betrayed him, or because he never received a mother's love. But all these reasons didn't really matter the moment he would decide to flip the mighty street of Corrientes on its back. During the day, he was a lonely vulture, But at night, his head would straighten up, his lips would snarl, and his eyes would tighten like those of an eagle looking for some rat to get rid of. And that's what the Provincianos were to him, rats. He particularly enjoyed taking down heroes, though he didn't mind ridding the world of cowards. With his head hanging from his shoulders, looking deep into the darkness of a brass-ringed drain, The Black Eagle clenched the brass hot water key of the Galaxia's men's room and asked out loud, God, what have I become? Save me from my ways, or is it that God and the devil no longer fight for my soul? He made sure not to look at the three cigarette butts that circled the black hole, nor at the once maple walls, nor did he pay attention to the two impatient men who kept cursing and knocking at the door. 
He just kept looking into the only abyss he could find, however small it was, for he believed that God could only be found in places like this. But the outside world pursued with its knocking, and the black eagle had no choice but to raise his heavy head, causing hot soapy water to drip from his numbed face to his black shirt. Had the two Mendocinos outside known that it was he, the black eagle, who was inside, they would have changed their minds and gone to the bathroom elsewhere. But the outside world vanished as soon as he kicked open the door and shattered his empty whiskey glass upon the black and white tiles of the Galaxia floor. Not one of the couples sitting near the miniature palm trees, the gilded bar, or the empty stage, ready with a stool and bandonion, uttered a single sound. Standing erect and wiping his forehead with his shirt sleeves, the eagle didn't look at anyone before doing what he always did at times like this. Take to the streets like a freed bird of prey. Of course the patrons of the Galaxia shook their heads and courageously said things like, What a horrible soul! But only after the eagle flew off. They never dared say it to his face. And that was all that really mattered. For him and for everyone else. Even Don Fanucci, the owner of the Galaxia bar, didn't say a thing when the eagle once shattered a bottle of whiskey on the perfectly combed head of his new bartender, who had unfortunately forgotten, or perhaps even worse, refused to take his boss's advice of always giving the eagle whatever he wanted, so that everything will be at peace, Don Fanucci would say. Don Fanucci, the social genius of our town and a sinner himself, had the theory that if everyone got just what they needed, there would be no wars or heartaches in the world. Don Fanucci once said, We say that the hare is peaceful when he tears the grass blades with his teeth, but that the cheetah is aggressive because she has to chase and stop her food with her jaws and claws. But the cheetah is doing just what the hare does. She just requires a bigger show. And us men, when we are hungry, we steal. And when we go bashing people in the head, like the black eagle, it's because we weren't fed emotions as a child. It is all very simple. No man full of happy emotions wants to burn down the world, Fanucci said while sticking gauze on the forehead of his new employee. Through the moonlit streets, the black eagle's shoes clapped upon the cobblestones like death bells. It wasn't that Mendoza was a ghost town, as the eagle liked to believe, but that people were smart enough to hide from him as soon as they heard the clacks of his slumped walk. They stared at the cross-eyed stumbler from behind dark windows, through curtains, or, as the peebes learned to do, from the tops of tall trees. On that particular night, there were no conscripts in town, and none of the locals had something to prove, so it appeared that the Black Eagle had only himself to torment. He made three left turns and ended up at the towering gates of the 
Mausoleo Chacarita, the most feared cemetery in the New World. Even a nihilistic, depressed Argentine was thankful to be alive after visiting the black-marbled Chacarita. No one dared to utter the name of the place, and whenever someone did, usually a foreigner or some schoolboy making the cruel joke, your grandma smells of Chacarita, all around would be crossed themselves in an attempt to cleanse their souls of whatever the dreadful word was capable of conjuring up. Sensible people always asked, Why does the Chacarita have to be so scary? Is it necessary to have demons, tall gargoyles, blue lamps, and the undertakers who look like they themselves had died many times before? Professor Rivarola once answered these questions by noting that all cultures attempt to protect the dead from evil in one way or another. The Chacarita was built to scare evil away. But he also added that perhaps the hideousness of the place was a way of keeping Argentines from eating too much beef. With a dazed mind, the Black Eagle slumped through the labyrinthine passages formed by the spaces between the tombs. On and on he walked until bumping his head on the elbow of a 15-foot statue of Michael the Archangel and tumbling seven steps into a small tomb that was lit by the stump of one candle. Inside, a statue of a young woman reclined upon a sarcophagus. Her head was raised, peering through the transparent curtains of her bed as if eagerly awaiting visitors. An unseen draft unveiled her youthful face. Morbid Spaniards, muttered the eagle, who turned around and encountered a full-size statue of a winged demon with no eyes. Inscribed on his chest read, So that she will be protected from all, without eyes he cannot tell friend from foe. Don't trust anyone, I guess, said the eagle before exiting the dark tomb. Though the clouds now concealed the moonlight, the candles from within the tombs cast an amber glow on the faces of all the demons that resided at the Chacarita. And the old blue lamps kept feeding a blue mist that pressed upon every hallowed stone. Some of the demons had their wings spread as if preparing for flight. Others were hidden in small crevices, guarding against a cowardly evil that could slither in. Are there demons for an evil drinker like me? Asked the eagle, moments before slipping on his side. Darn! Cursed the eagle. He then passed two short demons and slipped again. Bloody hell, he uttered. Again and again the eagle would fall, and each time he had to lift himself up by clinging to the arms and wings of the hideous statues. But he soon realized that these statues were anything but helpful and anything but cordial. Looking back at their expressions, he noticed that, in truth, two demons had tripped them. And on another occasion, 
when he tried to lift himself by grabbing the hand of a particularly fat one, he felt the hand let go, causing him to fall on his back. Eerie was the realization that no matter where he went, all the mischievous demons had their heads trained upon him. The eagle looked up at them. Unlike your friend in the tomb, you can tell friend from foe. So what am I? The black eagle's voice echoed through the blue shadows of the Chacarita. We're not here for you, replied a short demon that was sitting on the steps of a large tomb, smoking a cigarette. And be careful of that blind one. He hates everyone. Why don't you all go back to hell and let me be, mumbled the drunk eagle. We are not demons, but angels disguised as demons. The real demons will show up in an hour to try to win some souls for hell. My name is Gabby, and I'm surprised that, as the undead, you can see and hear us at all. I've been drinking too much. Maybe I'm half dead already, replied the eagle, wiping his brow. No, you're probably here because we're a man short for the match tonight, commented Gabby. Our goalie hurt his leg last Sunday. Have you ever played before? All you've got to do is catch the ball and don't let the devils kick it into our goal. Let me explain, added Gabi. There are many souls that are sitting on the fence, as it were, neither in hell nor heaven, but in limbo, especially down here in Argentina. We used to flip a coin to decide whether the souls went to heaven or hell, but now both sides, the angels and the devils, have become such big football fans in this country that this way it's much more exciting and fun for everyone. We put up quite a fight for those souls. No hands and no wings. Before he had a chance to think about how crazy all of this was, the eagle found himself practicing blocks for a soccer match. At first, it was hard to block the shots, for the demons would act as if they were going to kick with the right leg and then they would kick with the left leg, but after 20 shots or so, the eagle, drunk and all, got quite good and, more important, he instilled confidence in the team. Three hours before dawn, 11 devils emerged from the ground wearing red t-shirts with the devil's number printed on them. Unclean and with long hair, they smelled bad and made horrible noises. Gabi threw the black eagle one of their own jerseys, which, having the colors of heaven, happened to look just like the shirt of the Argentine national team. Wearing the light blue stripes of the country's flag brought a tear to the Black Eagle's eye. Outcast or not, I am still in Argentine, he said to himself. We're not allowed to draw crosses on the shirts or put them anywhere on the field, said Gabi. As you've heard, it makes the devils go crazy. Oh, and as for that devil's number, well, we don't know what the heck it means either, and neither do they. The eagle recognized the blind demon from the girl's tomb, who was now walking around in the center of the field, continuously pointing at players and blowing his whistle. What an excellent referee, thought the eagle. He can't tell friend from foe. A match between evil and good is always a peculiar thing. The angels had no choice but to rely on clean, exquisitely crafted plays, whereas the devils resorted to just about anything. Whenever a devil would kick an angel in the shin or poke him with his horns, he would fall to the ground, screaming and yelling as if he had been fouled. Then again, the devils were not looking for a clean reputation. 
They just wanted souls for hell. It was a sad moment when the black eagle saw the ball fill the net of his arch, the one that he was entrusted by no one else than heaven to protect. For the first time in his life, he felt the anguish of losing to an evil foe. In response to their success, the devil shrieked, scratched each other, and ran around the field tugging at their red jerseys, displaying the three infamous numbers. All the angels except Gabi grew a bit nervous about having the eagle as goalie, for they knew that if the game was lost, the decision to let him play would become a major issue of debate and controversy in the following weeks. In cases like this, dead football analysts from heaven or hell were called in to offer insights. The best analysts usually came from hell because they would not let anyone get away with anything. After all, they thought, no one ever forgave us. But Gabi soon tied the devils by slipping the ball through the legs of Dranka, the Eternal League's most celebrated goalie. Angry Dranka punched the upper beam of his arch with both hands and blew flames from his mouth. The devils play harder because they're damned for eternity and have nothing to lose, Gabi reminded his teammates during halftime. We angels got it too good, and now we're losing the edge that allowed us to kick that one person, you know who out of heaven in the first place. Let me remind you, one bad pass can send a soul to hell. Unfortunately, the second half of the match was uneventful, for all the players were exhausted. What the Black Eagle had always feared since the 1930 World Cup was about to take place, but this time, he was more than an observer. Definition by penalty kicks, proclaimed the blind referee. Relax, said Gabi to the Eagle. Penalty kicks are more than mere luck. The eagle failed at stopping the first three shots, but to the surprise of all, he was the first to block one by leaping to the right corner of his arch and pushing the ball out with his fingertips. All the angels rejoiced and lifted their goalie in the air. I could do this, he said to his new friends. We could win. The next angel to kick known as the Stoic, because he never needed accolades, faked Dranka and made a quiet goal to the right corner. So now it all came down to the eagle. Before him stood a devil with arms akimbo, looking at him up and down, preparing to kick. The eagle sprang into the air as soon as the whistle was blown. In the midst of the flight, the image of the Galaxia's bathroom drain suddenly came back into his mind. He saw the brass ring with the spiraling water as if it were right before him. Then he remembered his youth in Buenos Aires. The bars, the alleys, the streets, the port. Why am I thinking of such things now, he thought in midair. One second later, he felt cold grass on the right side of his face and saw a soccer ball bouncing away from him, tapping the ground of the Chacarita three times. He blocked it! He blocked it! shouted Gabi. We won! All the angels lifted their hero in the air and flew him around the Chacarita like a true Olympian. The devils, spitting, cursing, and fighting with each other, dove back to down there back to hell, except for Dranka, who was classy enough to exchange shirts with the eagle. 
Thanks for filling in, said Gabi. It was an incredible performance. I don't know how you blocked that last bullet. Too bad you can only play with us if you're dead, which you say uh, you're not. Right, I must be half dead or something, responded the eagle, trying to make sense of his status as football player. Usually, though unfortunately not always, these strange encounters happen for important reasons, said Gabi. Whenever people get lost or plans get changed unexpectedly, sometimes it's the veiled hand of fate. But I would be the last to know, replied a breathless Gabi, shrugging his shoulders. We get the paperwork in weeks down here. You know how it is in the southern cone. The bureaucracy can kill you, but the football is good. However, whispered the archangel, we could still sneak you into heaven if you want to play next Sunday. Gabby, cracking his knuckles and stretching his towering wings, waited for the black eagle's answer. No, not yet, but thank you. I have yet to earn heaven in other ways. The black eagle hugged all of his team members and exited the Chacarita closing the black gates behind him. He walked through the streets of Mendoza as if a great lead weight had been lifted from his soul. But the Eternal League was not the only strange encounter he had that night, which now became morning. Senor, would you help me find my father's vineyard on General Paz? I'm lost and no one is around spoke a young Italian woman with folds of blonde hair held back by a single pin. She grabbed his wrist and said, You strike me as a very good man. General Paz, he said, looking in all directions as people do when lost. Keep going down this street. He then dropped the arm that was pointing west and continued walking away from her. Would you please walk with me? A young lady like me should not walk alone this early, and I'm scared of the mountain lions. She said with a voice that would not take no for an answer. Scared, he said, turning around. All that could harm you in this town is dead or walking away from you right now. So please leave me alone. I am not the kind of gentleman you think I am. It is so kind for you to offer to take me home and tell me about yourself, about your whole life. My name is Lucetta, she said, playfully holding his arm like a bride. The black eagle walked with her for several blocks, not knowing how to deal with this sort of thing. Lucetta began talking about her cat and how much her cat really loves her, even though all her friends tell her that cats don't love their masters but sleep near them only for warmth. She kept talking about cats, grapes, and a million other things that the black eagle never cared about. He kept thinking about what a strange night it was about the visions he had during the last penalty kick, and about his new encounter, Lucetta, who did not treat him like the Black Eagle. But I am an evil man, said the Black Eagle, as soon as Lucetta hugged them goodbye, as Argentines often do. She turned to him and said, You may have been evil, but you are not evil now. Grammar teachers always say that the word am and are can only be used for the present. Hence, since you are not acting evil, you are not evil. And this is how Lucetta and the Black Eagle became friends. He soon changed his dark ways, married her, 
and spent the remainder of his life being quite a productive grape picker and goalie of the local team, the Phantoms. The people of Mendoza grew to forgive and admire the once feared Black Eagle, who never understood why fate had forgiven him. But the owner of the Galaxia, years later, Don Fanucci, had some theories. Maybe God finally heard what the loco kept saying to my sink, said Don Fanucci, looking over his eyeglasses to his three regulars. Fanucci kept washing just the rims, never the bottoms, of his whiskey glasses. Or maybe God finally made up for all those years of starvation that the poor kid must have endured. Because people don't become evil for no reason, you know, continued Fanucci, rattling his head from side to side. Or maybe on that strange night years ago, some drunk witch in Granada made a curse that went awry, causing little Lucetta to fall in love with the Black Eagle. Who knows? Just maybe the Black Eagle did something good for somebody. Or perhaps worst of all, reconsidered the bartender, now looking through the bottom of a dirty glass, perhaps important things like this, things that can make a man evil or make a man good, are just left to chance. At that moment, Don Fanucci accidentally dropped a whiskey glass on the black and white tiles of the Galaxia floor. Mm -hmm.